Drafting Archetypes is brought to you by Grey Viking Games. Check them out with our affiliate code link in the description. Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and today we're going to discuss a new format, which is Midnight Hunt. And because it's a new format, I thought I would start with just kind of an overview rather than focusing on any particular archetype. I have played the format, you know, not, not a large amount, but I'm several drafts in, and we also have some data from 17 lands that I've taken a cursory look at uh, for me, I would say. This is a somewhat informed overview of the format as a whole. I'm certainly going to discuss some archetypes, but also just kind of like some big picture stuff about the format, kind of my first impressions and stuff. So let's see. The first major impression is that I think this format's very aggressive, which makes a lot of sense just in terms of the card file. A lot of cards create these decayed zombies that are two twos that can't block and can only attack once. And the rate on these cards is very pushed in that for the most part, the the cost to create a decayed zombie is like round to zero. Like most of the cards that make these zombies are cards that are analogous to cards that exist at the same cost and don't make zombies. So all these zombies can do by default is attack for two damage, which means that fundamentally life totals basically just start a little bit lower because you have these things that only exist to reduce life totals. I know that for myself and I think a lot of other people who were first looking at the set before playing it, it seemed like it might be important to have three toughness creatures because there would be all these 2-2 zombies. But what I've found in reality is that it doesn't really matter because these 2-2s only attack once. And they're not really looking to get in as soon as possible. You're kind of just trying to accumulate a bunch of them if you're playing with them. And then you don't really attack with them until the end. Because most of the time that you're playing with them, you have other things that you can sacrifice them for. And so there's no real hurry to trade them for damage. What that means is that if I'm playing against them and I have a three toughness creature, I don't want to hold my three toughness creature back to block because you're probably not going to attack with your two power zombie. So the play pattern is just not such that you actually end up like actually threatening to block these things very often. So I think that three toughness creatures just don't like that's not actually a flashpoint in this format just because these zombies exist. Life totals kind of start artificially low. Uh, sacrifice Things that cost sacrifice a creature are a lot cheaper than they would be if these things didn't exist. It's pretty easy to get them for free, so sacrificing them is pretty easy. They are fairly plentiful in blue and black, but obviously there are other colors that are doing other things. I would also note that it does not seem like an especially balanced format from first impressions. The things that all the colors are doing are not equally good. The biggest outlier on first impressions seems to be red. Red, like according to 17 lands, every red archetype has a lower win percentage than every non-red archetype. So red does not appear to be very strong in this format. And that 
generally tracks with my experience. There are not a lot of good red cards. So I've found that I mostly want to avoid red, at least early before any correction, before very much correction has occurred. Other big picture stuff. I guess I should discuss briefly the way that day and night works, where if any card ever cares about day-night, then the rest of the game cares about day-night. And in previous Innistrad, it only switched from day to night if neither player cast a spell, whereas here it switches if the active player doesn't cast a spell. Basically, it only ever matters what the active player does, as opposed to either player in the old day-night cards. What that means is that as the active player, you have absolute control over what's going to happen next turn, but then when you pass to them, they have absolute control over what's going to happen on your turn. This means that it used to be that if you were playing against werewolves, it would be nice to have some kind of cheap instant so that if your opponent didn't do anything, you could stop them from making it night by playing a cheap instant. But now if like a person with werewolves wants it to be night and doesn't do anything, you can't stop that, so there's no reason to hold up mana to try to stop it. But you can flip it back on your turn, and they can't, like... I mean, you could never stop someone from flipping it from night into day. So if they pass to make it night, you have to be able to play two spells on your turn to make it day, which means that, uh, theoretically, there's a small amount of value to having, like, cheap cantrips if you are playing against werewolves, and you want to minimize the amount of that stuff you have if you are playing with werewolves or with things that want it to be night. This isn't really that important because the werewolves aren't very good. And so you're very rarely playing against a werewolf deck. So like you, you generally don't need to think a lot about like, oh no, how will I make it day again if my opponent makes it night? I think generally you'll just kill or block their werewolves and you won't really worry about it. Speaking of killing their werewolves... I think one of the more kind of defining traits of this format is that the removal is very strong. Specifically, the fact that black has three different common removal spells that are all like fairly premium, especially against large creatures and specifically against werewolves, it has a substantial impact on the format. Like, so black has eaten alive, which is one mana, sack a creature, or pay four extra mana to exile a creature. Sacking a creature is very easy because you're playing black, so you are very likely to have these zombies. That can kill any creature no matter how big it is. So you don't want to invest a bunch of mana in a werewolf and then skip a turn to flip it, and then you have your opponent kill it with a one mana spell. They have Olivia's Midnight Hunt, which is one in a black instant. Target creature gets minus two, minus two. If it's night, it gets minus 13, minus 13. Again, if you play a big werewolf, you flip into night, they kill it for two mana, you're in horrible shape. And then they have Defenestrate, three mana instant kill a non-flyer. Again, that will kill any werewolf. So the werewolves are really set up to fail against like these three different, very efficient, very good black common removal spells. So black decks are really just, you know, smashing like red-green decks because black has this outstanding removal and Red's common removal, the Moonrager's Slash is very good, but it's roughly Red's only notably good common. And then it has like the Neonates, whatever, deal one to a creature, one to a player, draw a card that is not very impressive. 
Then it has the five mana uh, deal five to a creature, deal two to its controller. But five is just so much more mana than the black removal costs. The red removal is just a lot worse. And so black being in this spot where it has better removal, and then it also has some like sacrifice value and decayed stuff, the rest of what black is doing is just also a lot better than the rest of what red's doing. That's why we see black uh, succeeding a lot more than red is. So because black is so much more played because it's so much better than red, what black is doing ends up kind of defining the format a lot. So because there's all this really strong card removal, the things that are best are the things that are best against removal. So absent any context about what the format looks like, it might be difficult to evaluate whether uh, five mana for a three, four that makes two decayed zombies is better or worse than five mana sacrifice a creature or pay two mana to make a seven, six menace. But when you have the context that creatures die very easily, going down a zombie to get a large menace creature is a lot worse than playing three objects in one body. That's like one, you know, comparison of two cards of, you know, same casting cost, same color, where before playing, I thought it was, you know, somewhat ambiguous, which one's better. And after playing, it's not the least bit close. Even if you're very good at making objects and not very good at sacrificing them, like in all cases, you would rather have the Diagraph Horde that makes the zombies than the Murkrat Behemoth that sacrifices them. There are a lot of creatures in this format that do line up well against removal. You have Eccentric Farmer in green, the 2-3 that mills and then puts a card in your hand. You have every creature with Disturbed. You have Organ Hoarder, um, which is the 3-2 that looks at three the top three cards of your library, puts one of them in your hand and the other two in your graveyard which is currently the common with the highest win rate. You have the Search Party Captain, 4-mana 2-2 that costs less mana to play um, for each creature you've attacked with and draws a card. All of this stuff is like where you want to be. You want to be playing creatures that give you value when they enter the battlefield, creatures that effectively give you value when they die, creatures that don't cost very much mana, and all of the creatures that are just like a lot of mana for a large body are not very well positioned because they line up so poorly against black cards. And then also incidentally against blue and white, those colors have a lot less removal, but certainly against the four mana blue card that puts the creature back on top of the deck, that's, you know, going to be a lot better against expensive creatures that don't generate value than cheap creatures or expensive creatures that do generate value. Similarly, uh, Geist Wave is a totally reasonable card that again is much better against expensive stuff. And white's removal isn't great. I don't think that removal is like the primary thing that it's about, but it, it you know, its removal also isn't size-based except when it is, and then it kills big things, not small things. So the format's really, really hard on spending a lot of mana for a large creature. So it ends up being all about cheap stuff and value stuff and kind of edging your opponent out for value in one way or another. One result of this is that um, Ecstatic Awakener, the one-one black creature that you can spend black to and sacrifice something to turn it into a four-four and draw a card. 
has been super impressive. Really, really, really good. And it wouldn't surprise me if that card is better than all the black removal, which also this is something that's just like really weird that's going on with black is like I mentioned that black's removal is better than red's removal. And then I'm like, and the other stuff black has going on is also good. But like black has three premium removal spells that are like difficult to compare to each other and all kind of like close to as good. And they're not even the best black cards. Diagraph Horde and Ecstatic Awakener might both be better than the black removal spells, partially because black has so many removal spells. And then it also has access to Silverbolt, which is another pretty reliable removal spell. Um, to say nothing of the fact that it then also has good uncommon removal. The format feels fairly skewed at the moment, but it is what it is. So with those like big picture notes, let's take just a quick run through the archetypes. Blue-white is currently, as of when I'm recording this, the most successful archetype on 17 lands. It is very interested in Disturbed Creatures and Shipwreck Sifters is really good in that archetype, especially if you can get multiples of them. That's the 2-mana 1-2 ETB draw a card, discard a card. If you discarded a spirit or creature with Disturbed, it gets a plus 1, plus 1 counter. Actually, whenever you discard one of those things, it gets a plus 1, plus 1 counter. There aren't a lot of ways to discard those things. The best way is to just play another Shipwreck Sifter. There are a few other ways, but the other common way to do it in those colors is with Shipwreck Sifter. So it is a common that's good in that archetype and then scales really well in that archetype. Look for getting those, especially if you can get some of them late because basically no other archetype wants it. That would tell you that blue-white's open and also give you a really good deck. You can uh, get some of those early get your free value, get large bodies, and then those things put disturbed stuff in the graveyard so you can like get value out of that. I guess, you know, the other thing that I would note as always with blue-white is don't fall into the trap of playing the enchantments that try to answer creatures, the candle, whatever, and the curse of, whatever the curse is, locked in the cemetery or something. Those cards, as should be fairly... It shouldn't be a surprise that those cards are bad in a format where sacrificing creatures is a big part of what's happening. I suppose you might think that they would be good against opposing disturbed creatures, but I, I would instead just not put them in your deck and try to rely on just like going wide around your opponent or going high over your opponent. Have flyers where a lot of your opponents won't and just kind of outvalue them. And then if you do want removal, uh, Silverbolt is the better way to kill creatures rather than playing the white and blue auras. White-black, third most successful archetype, the least successful of the Esper pairs, but still very, very good. This, as I was hoping, it does follow in the tradition of dead humans from previous Innistrad, very much about making tokens, sacrificing those tokens, getting value when you sacrifice them, and then also having other things that see that they were sacrificed and pay you for that. A lot of really good removal. You pick up the uncommon black-white removal spell, uh, two mana sacrifice something, exile something, flashback to do it again. Like, because Black-White kind of fundamentally wants to play just like all cheap stuff, 
it, it just lines up well in the format for all the reasons that I was talking about, about how the format is about that kind of game. White red is the most successful red archetype. This color pair is kind of generically aggressive. Theoretically, it's doing some nonsense with being interested in flipping between day and night, but really you just want to focus on like, you know, typical Boros aggro stuff. White green is doing coven aggro. You're looking for creatures that uh, you're basically you want to play a slightly lower curve and you want to, I think basically all of the coven tricks, specifically the two green instant, one in a green, like green colorless commons that care about coven are really good. So that's the fight spell that gives you a plus one, plus one counter if you have coven and the plus two, plus two draw a card if you have coven. Those cards, I think, are kind of the backbone at common of the green-white deck. And then you want to play um, just like a nice mix of little, you know, different size cheap creatures. But you, you want to play one drops in this deck so you can turn on your coven stuff as soon as possible. Also, there are a number of rewards for going wide, mostly at uncommon. The uncommon two mana, all of your creatures get plus one, plus one. If you have coven, they get an extra power has been extremely impressive and powerful. You want to play that with the all the go wide stuff that exists there. All the like there are a lot of uncommon coven payoffs that have all been really good. You you really want to just like lean into trying to turn on coven as soon as possible by playing one drops and then like attacking playing tricks and stuff. Blue black is the second most successful archetype. That's the deck that is most about these zombies, Siege Zombie and Larder Zombie, Siege Zombie more than Larder Zombie, are both very good because you end up with large numbers of these like creature tokens that you don't want to do anything with except tap them. So having a way to tap them to make them give you value over time rather than value just once is really important, especially since blue-black generally plays a longer game. I think those two are really important just in terms of getting the most out of the resources that you're going to have anyway. I'm still personally working out exactly how aggressive this deck wants to be. There are a lot of spells that play well in the archetype, so you can end up leaning into a more re like reactive space where you play more of like the black removal plus the blue instance that make zombies while getting you some kind of value which there's startled, I think it's called, the two-mana uh, instant that gives a creature minus two minus O, makes a zombie and draws a card, and then there's flip the switch, which counters a spell unless your opponent plays four and makes a zombie, and then revenge of the drowned, I think it's called, the um, four-mana instant that puts a creature on uh, top or bottom of its owner's library and makes a zombie. So blue has this like two, three, four instant curve of do something that's roughly worth that amount of mana and make a zombie and like so that's how you're accumulating zombies for all this stuff but i don't really know how much of that you want to play versus just playing creatures and stuff i'm, I'm still working it out like there are a lot of good cards in blue black the archetype's very strong there's a lot of synergy among them where it gets tricky is there are so many good cards that i'm still working out exactly what i think it wants to do in general blue red uh, i think is largely a trap 
Blue Red asks you to play a bunch of spells to trigger things that like it when you play spells. Most of the spells that you would be trying to play don't really do anything, and the format is very punishing of you trying to put a lot of effort into spending mana to draw cards and manipulating whether or not it's day and nights and generally not impacting the board as much as other people are or like moving in on some like single like it it's a lot of air and a few important pieces and since there's good removal people just kill your important pieces and leave you with a deck full of air if you think of red as being about like Delvers and Kiln Fiend type cards, when the format has a bunch of good removal, they just kill your Kiln Fiends. <laughs> and then all of the like instants are just like clunky and you end up getting run over by the like cheap value stuff that everyone has to play. I'm sure there are better and worse ways to draft the deck, but I don't really think that under normal circumstances, like, you know, a 90th percentile blue red deck is going to be like nowhere near as good as an 80th percentile like not red deck it'll still maybe be better than a 50th percentile deck in another archetype but i don't know it it would take a lot to get me into blue red at this point blue green has been reason like blue blue green is respectable it's very 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 good at making value There are not a lot of different two-drops that are naturally appealing fits for blue-green. So any that you see, like basically you want to just like get some twos into your deck is the thing that I would say. Like be careful to have reasonable twos, even if the twos aren't like particularly on plan, just so that you're spending mana on two, because Ideally, you want your deck to be full of like these eccentric farmers and organ hoarders and flashback spells. You're gonna like have a lot of card flow and plenty to spend your mana on. You're not really gonna run out of stuff to do. So you really want to make sure that you do something proactive on turn two. Part of why blue green plays well is because you don't need to take a turn off to generate your value. You get to like do it with creatures that just like give you value for free. So like switching from like blue red where it's asking you to like play flashback spells that like give you value like when you just have eccentric farmer instead everything is like much better. And then you like the green removal if you have like the fight spell with coven and um potentially like clear shot or whatever uncommon you're not particularly behind red, not all that much anyway, at killing stuff. So it's kind of just better, I think. Black red. Black red is at least trying to do something reasonable for the format, which is have a low curve and attack your opponent and then snowball by playing things that reward you for having damaged your opponent previously. That's all well and good, but it runs into reasonably significant issues with the fact that the red cards just aren't very good. So you're basically just like similar to the other black decks, but with worse card quality, you might pick up some synergy. And if you find yourself at a table that understands that red isn't very good, so red is open, then you might end up in a spot where your deck is like trying to do something and because you're getting your pick of red cards, you're not paying for it in card quality, and then you're in pretty good shape. 
Also, there are some like uncommon payoffs that are pretty good for like really leaning into doing the thing. I would say if you are competing with somebody else for red black, your card quality is really going to suffer, but you will sometimes find spots where just like being a good beatdown, where trying to beat down is structurally good enough that you'll be able to win. But for the most part, I think like black red needs to be uncontested when it is it. You can certainly end up with a good black red deck, but proceed with caution. Black green kind of lacks identity, like not it. I guess I feel like its identity is just a slightly less defined version of black white. Both decks are interested in having creatures die, but I guess I don't think green is contributing as much to the total package as white is. A little bit worse at giving you tokens while not really giving you ways to make things die very well and not offering the like incidental payoffs for stuff dying as well. It's felt exactly what you would think from there, where it seems fine, but just a little bit less synergistic than black-white, which I think is a little bit better. It does have more self-mill and then like kind of more of a recursion package, but I guess I'm less interested in the recursion package than I am in the token package from white because the recursion package is more mana-hungry. And I've talked about how mana-hungry is a problem in this format because I think it's pretty aggressive. So if you're building around like this recursive stuff, you need to understand that you're putting mana into getting your value. And so you need to make sure that you don't fall behind too much while you're doing that because, again, you're starting with it kind of a lower life total because of the fact that most decks are built around like these um, tokens that kind of give your opponent free damage or random extra flyers. Uh, Black green traditionally struggles against flying creatures. So when there's this whole mechanic of my creature dies and then I get a flying creature, black green's default plan to handle flyers is, oh, I'll use some removal spells to kill them. But when all the flyers are just like these incidental random objects that appeared because your opponent was playing a game, it's pretty rough to plan to spend removal on them. So I I would say also just make sure that you've drafted your deck in a way that is prepared to handle those disturbed creatures. Finally, red-green. I already talked about where this deck struggles. I don't have a lot to say about why it doesn't or how to make it, how to like get over that. The thing that it's trying to do is werewolves. The format is reasonably hostile to werewolves. I guess hope that you get some, like there, there are some strong werewolves. Hope that you get them. And if your opponent stumbles and you play it a two-mana werewolf, uh, it's pretty easy to run over them, but I am not optimistic about this archetype. And there you have it. <laughs> Those are the archetypes and the overview. So let's turn it over to chat for questions. I am doing this all fairly extemporaneously. I haven't prepared any notes because I have been drafting all day to um, figure out as much as I can for this, which is to say, any new patrons, thank you. Uh, I will be recording my next episode fairly shortly and looking into things like who you are and (laughs) having more like my normal structure. This is not exactly a bonus episode because I did wait earlier this week um, to record this because I wanted to have a little bit more 
context and information to speak to. So things are a little bit different on my end. Uh, there aren't any notes for you to look at. Apologies for slightly underserving my patrons here where there was nothing to vote on, no notes to look at, and I didn't bother to know who you are yet. But I will try to make it up to you in the coming weeks. So questions. TLDR avoid red? Yeah, I think so. Are we BFC bad on red? Really hard to say this early. Probably not, but it's, it's too soon to know. Interested in green-white's potential the most? Me too. I think green-white seems sweet. <laughs> um, do you think the other colors besides red are balanced against each other? Uh, I don't know yet. I do think that like the colors that aren't red are offering something appealing. I think that green is likely behind Esper, and I think that black might be ahead of blue and white, or at least white might be behind blue and black. Though the fact that blue-white's the best performing... I don't know if that speaks to blue and white potentially being better than black. I think more likely it speaks to that particular archetype having pretty good synergies. So yeah, my my guess is that the color order is roughly just reverse, like counterclockwise from black. So like black, blue, white, green, red. But I think the biggest gap is between red and green and that the Esper colors are pretty close to each other. <laughs> I, this isn't really a question, but a comment that the format is both aggressive, but also Moldrifters are better than Baneslayers. That's kind of a classic way to characterize creatures based on like our value creatures or kind of like creatures that are dominant if they stay and play better. And I do think that that's a really interesting note that the format is aggressive, but value like value centric. So the format's very like attrition-y, um, value-based more than it, it's, yeah, it, it's unusual where like what matters is like normally in an aggressive format, the thing that matters is like tempo rather than attrition, but this format's kind of on the attrition side of the attrition tempo spectrum while still being aggressive. And all of that's because the removal's so good, so strong, I think. Next question, how do you prevent getting run over by all the tiny flyers? Reach creatures? Sure, if you have to, but the better answer is kill your opponent. Like the tiny flyers are expensive to make and don't block especially well, so just kill them. And that's why this format is like ends up being aggressive and tempo based is there is a ton of value that you can force your opponent to leave on the table if you just kill them. Hypothetically, that should be what is strong about red and green is you should be trying to deny your opponent all of the like value that they're getting from this stuff that's supposed to give them value later because you don't have that and you just have like raw numbers and you're attacking. The problem is the removal is too good to make those matter. So what ends up working the best is slightly more resilient, more just like bad creatures that it's not good to use removal on, but still pressure your opponent. This is why Siege Zombie excels so much. Any early surprises that stick out to me? Well, I've covered the stuff that I think is true now. I don't know that it's necessarily useful to recreate what I might have guessed would be differently previously. Thoughts on Gaviny Trapper? I've liked him in green-white. I think that it is okay to have Gaviny Trapper in small numbers, largely to help turn on Coven quickly, but I think that it is very dangerous to... I, like. 
the format's so good at mana sinks that playing a thing that costs two mana to activate is dangerous, especially also since people generally shouldn't be playing big creatures, it's hard to get a lot of value out of tapping a little creature. Next question. When would you play three Evolving Wilds if I'm playing more than two colors? Next question. When you're in the Tiny Flyers deck, how do you prevent getting run over by big creatures? Well, the good thing about the Tiny Flyers deck is that you aren't actually putting Tiny Flyers in your deck. You're putting ground creatures that can trade reasonably and then spending mana to make the Flyers. The answer is you would plan on blocking because if you can trade your creatures for their creatures, you then get to make a Flyer later. So... The other answer is, if you are that deck and you're worried about getting run over, the one, one the Soul Warden Doom Traveler is a great way to have some extra time to start making your flyers, which I think is part of why the Soul Warden Doom Traveler uh, has such good stats. Next question. Disturb seems to be super impactful. What about flashback in this iteration, on the other hand? Yeah, so part of that is exactly what I was just saying, where the disturbed stuff gets to trade right away to buy time to give you time to use the back half. Whereas a lot of the flashback spells, especially the flashback just like value spells, like the flashback cards that add stuff to your hand, you have to take a turn off to do that, and it doesn't contribute to the board, and then you have to spend more mana to get more value. And you Ain't no one got time for that. Like you can't play a card that's asking you to like spend mana to put stuff in your hand to spend mana to put more stuff in your hand. There are just easier ways to get value without falling behind on the board in this format. Best uncommons so far. When we're talking about the whole the format as a whole, if you want to know the good uncommons, there's really no better way to answer that than just go to 17lands.com, sort by game and hand win rate, filter by uncommons, and just look at the top 10 cards on the list. Do I think blue-white performs better by the numbers, in part because so many of the disturbed creatures line up well against all the really good black removal? Yes, that's precisely what I'm saying. Like, I think the format's defined by black removal, but one-for-one removal spells aren't good against disturbed creatures, which is why blue-white is the most uh, successful archetype right now. that, That would be my precise narrative about the format. Which of the three black removal spells do I like best in pack one, pick one situation? I genuinely don't know. Next question, would I feel good in this set just picking removal early and not worrying about creatures until later? I would prefer to take value creatures early than uh, rather than removal early, I think, because there's so much good removal. And so the thing that like is best is the value stuff. All right. I have caught up on questions, and I think I would prefer to uh, keep it shorter rather than longer for um, this kind of overview thing. So I'm going to wrap it up here. I want this to be, you know, concise. I will be back and on Wednesday at my normal time for the first archetype. I'm not sure what I'll be covering yet. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Although um, most of my Twitch chat listeners were a captive audience who uh, were just here watching my stream anyway. But yeah, It's time for me to get back to drafting. And uh, like I said, we'll be back with another podcast soon. Thanks and uh, goodbye for now, everyone. (laughs) 